right, all right. Uh, grab your Bible, grab your notes, and uh, we are going to uh, jump right in <clears throat> as we continue our Circle Makers series. My name is Ryan, um, and tonight, uh, last week we opened up the series talking about prayer, talking about praying circles, and this week we are going to talk about praying boldly. Everybody say boldly. boldly. Everybody say boldly. boldly. All right. We got to say boldly with some boldness. So we're talking about boldness and praying with boldness. And, and each week we'll talk about a different thing that the Bible um, says about prayer, about the way we should pray. And it's not going to be so much like you should, uh, you have to be on your knees or you have to be standing up or it has to be out loud and that kind of thing. It's more so about the way that we pray, how we talk to God. I remember how last week we talked about how prayer is an opportunity to have a conversation with God, an opportunity to talk to God. It's as simple as that. So I started thinking about boldness, and there's a lot of things that require boldness in life. We, uh, we, we all know that at some point we have to be bold, whether it's getting up and talking in front of some, someone, whether it's uh, going in and asking for an application at a job, um, if it is, uh, you know, talking to a teacher because you got like an F on a paper and you're like, well, why did I get an F? And that, that takes boldness because you're like the student and they're the adult and you're kind of intimidated. Um, it takes boldness to, to own up to the things that we do wrong. Um, but the first thing I think about when I think about boldness um, that, that, that we all have to encounter, especially at this stage in your life, is, is the boldness of telling somebody that you like them or of asking somebody out. Everybody at some point, even, even girls to a certain degree, are going to have to have some type, of, some type of boldness in that situation where they tell that, that, that guy, they tell that girl that, hey, I like you. Or the guy asks out the girl and he says, hey, will you be my girlfriend? And I remember, here's just a little piece of advice because this has nothing to do with dating. But if you like somebody, just tell them or just ask them out. That's just a little piece of advice. I wasted, in middle school, I liked this girl for like three years, and I knew she liked me, and I never told her that I liked her. It took, well, I did end up telling her, like, through my friend, and I was, like, sitting at a skating rink. Does anybody go to skating rinks anymore? Do those exist in Jacksonville? Do we have one? Like, roller skating? On Monument. Monument's where it's at, baby. We're gonna do it. We're gonna have to do a roller skating derby sometime. Uh, so, so, I was at the roller skating rink, and I'm sitting on this, this block, and I got my roller skates on, and my best friend's next to me, and she's sitting behind me, and I'm like sending him back and forth, like literally, we're like back to back, she, I'm sending her back, my friend back and forth to make sure, uh, to see if she likes me, and I'm like, okay, well, she can like hear me, and I'm like, all right, see if she likes me, tell her I like her, he goes and tells her, he comes back, he's like, and he like gives me this long answer, and I'm like, you were there for like 10 seconds, how did you get such a long answer, and then, and then, and then we went back and forth, and it literally took me like two and a half years for us to become boyfriend and girlfriend because I just didn't ask her out. It was just stupid. I didn't have the boldness to do it. And that's hard, but, um, but the things require boldness. I was talking to Jacob this week, and I'm just going to call him out. He said that one time he needed a boldness with a girl, and he liked a girl, and he went to, on a date with the girl, and they were sitting in the movie theaters, and he was like, you know, the movie theaters, that's, that's when you make your move, right? And whatever that means to you, come on, we're, we're Christians, we're in United, whatever that means to you, I'm talking about like holding hand, putting the arm around, maybe giving the peck on the, uh, on the cheek or on the lips or whatever. I'm not talking about anything more than that, but you got to make your move in the movie. That's what, that's what you do when you go to a movie. You're not going to a movie to see a movie. My first, my first kiss, my first kiss, we went to a movie, I don't even know what it was, and literally the entire movie, all I thought about was, oh gosh, i got to figure out how to kiss her. I never kissed anyone, and I was like, what's going to, I was like nervous, like I was a wreck for an hour and a half. It's the worst thing ever. Anyway, so, so Jacob goes to the movies, and he, he, hold, he, he, he thought, it's time to hold hands with her, right, Jacob? So he, he said, it's time, baby. This is, this is it. I'm making my move. 
So he reaches out and he held it. Moment of boldness. He grabbed her hand. She quickly jerked it away. And she said, and she said, what are you doing? Like, well, it would be like a movie whisper. What are you doing? And then he was like, I'm trying to hold your hand. And she just said, uh-uh, not going to happen. Tough times, tough times. He, he is okay with me telling that story. We're talking about boldness. Lots of things in our life take boldness. And prayer is one of those things. We have to pray with boldness. So go over to uh, Hebrews 4.16. Hebrews 4.16. It's in the back of the Bible. Hebrews 4.16. Hebrews 4.16. And this is, this is kind of the, what we're going to base the boldness of prayer on. And so this is what it says. It says uh, in verse 16 of chapter 4 of Hebrews. The writer says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Let us approach God with confidence. Now, that word can mean a couple of different things. Um, First of all, it can mean as well as confidence. It can also mean boldness. Let us approach God's throne of grace with boldness. It also means freedom in speaking. So, so like you're not like kind of trying to think of the words to say. You can just, you're free to say what you need to say. Um, that word of confidence also means uh, openly, without figures of speech. So you don't have to use fancy words and fancy terms and phrases. You can just speak your heart. You can tell God what you really think. The Bible's full of situations. Like uh, if you read Psalms, that's just full of prayers where people, uh, or David mostly, um, spoke to God and just told him what was going on. And there's some times where, where David said some pretty crazy things in prayer because he was open with his speech. It also means to be free and fearless. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with freedom and fearlessness. And the last thing it can mean is also assurance. Knowing that he is not going to hurt us, that he is going to take care of us. So in Hebrews 4.16, it tells us to pray boldly. And here's the first point in your notes. Bold prayers honor God. Write that down on your circle notes. Bold prayers honor God. Now, a lot of times we, we go into prayer and we don't really want to pray boldly. Here, here's why I think. I think, one, we doubt. I think sometimes we doubt that God is, is capable of doing it. Other times we think, well, he doesn't care, neither of, neither of which is true. Um, another thing I think we think is like, well, I don't want to embarrass God. Like we've all been in those situations where we don't want to say something that embarrasses our friend or embarrasses our, 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 our family member or whatever. And so, so we're really nervous about what we should say because we're like, oh, well, I don't want to say something that they can't come through on. So we like, we pray these prayers and we're like, if God, if you want to, if it's your will, and we give them these out clauses, like just in case he doesn't do it, I don't want to make God look bad. But the truth is, bold prayers honor God. It's actually the small prayers that don't necessarily honor God because we're saying, I don't think you can do that much. Like, I don't don't really think you can do this, so I'm not going to ask it. So bold prayers honor God. And we talked about last week how there's certain signs of God's power. There's certain things that God will only do in response to prayer. He'll only do them in response to prayer. So that means if we do not pray that prayer and continually circle that thing in prayer, it won't happen. 
And, and I think a lot of times we get that mixed up. We're like, well, he's just going to do what he's going to do. No, he said in Scripture, ask and you shall receive. Seek me. Come to me. I want to come through for you. So bold prayers honor God. And here's the second thing in your notes. When we pray big prayers, our name isn't at stake. God's name is at stake. When we pray big prayers, our name isn't at stake. God's name is at stake. I think what we have the, the, the uh, what we usually do is we kind of go into it. And we're like, well, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to make God look stupid. But really what we're saying is I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to say I believe in this God, pray for this person, and then it doesn't happen. Then I'm stuck there looking like, oh, my gosh. Man, I'm, I'm so foolish that I would believe in a God that would come through for us, that loves us, that, 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 that can do anything. And so many times, we feel like our name's at stake, but it's not our name at stake. When we pray, what are we doing? We're asking someone else to do something. We're asking God to do something, presumably, that we cannot do. And so it is not ourselves that are at stake, because if it was, it would be on us, but it's not. When we go in prayer, it's on God, and so we're putting his name at stake, and that's not a bad thing. He wants that. He calls us, he calls us to pray bold prayers, to pray big prayers, and I think a, a big question for you to ask yourself as you're, as you're kind of thinking about bold prayers um, and, and thinking about going to God boldly, I think it's, a, it's an important question to ask yourself, how big is my God? So how big is your God? Write that down. How big is your God? Do you have a God that is kind of like, kind of like limited, that's kind of small? Because if you, if you consider God limited, you're going to pray limited prayers. But if you consider that God created everything, that God sent his son to die and raise again, that God has the power to, re, uh, to raise dead to life, that God has the power to to, to beat armies and to prop up nations and to, and to do whatever he wants. He, he spoke the world into existence. If you believe all those things and you believe that God is big, you're going to pray big prayers. But if you believe in a little God, you're going to pray little prayers. You're not going to pray bold prayers. You're going to pray only things that won't embarrass you, only things that won't make you look foolish. And there's no can he with God. There's no can he. There's only will he. Throughout scripture, he says, uh, uh, it is according to God's will. Pray in accordance with my will. It's not, a, it's not a situation of, can God do it? I'm not sure. It's only a situation of, will he do it? And sometimes we want him to do things that he doesn't want to do. And he doesn't not want to do them just to take things away from us, but he doesn't want to do them because they're not best for us. They're not best for his plan and for the world. So again, there is no can he, there is only will he. There is no, think about this, there's no small or big with God. Like sometimes we're like, well, that's a small prayer request. This is a big prayer request. There, there's no big or small. There's no possible or impossible. There's no difficult for God. There's no easy for God. There's just yes or no. Will he or won't he? So when we pray big prayers, our name's not at stake. God's name is at stake. We're gonna look at uh, one, of the, one of the really bold prayers in scripture, and it's in Joshua again, Joshua 10, open up to that, Joshua 10. We were in Joshua last week, a couple chapters back, so we're going to be in Joshua 10, and Israel at this point has gone on and attacked a few more people and won some battles, and uh, they're sitting pretty, things are going good, 
and they're feeling good about themselves, and so people are starting to notice. Now, just keep in mind, as I read some of these, I'm probably going to butcher them and not get the pronunciations right, but that's okay, because um, none of us can pr- pronounce it. So uh, Joshua 10, verse 1, Joshua 10, verse 1. So the other kings are hearing about this. It says, says, now Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king what he had done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. Basically, they had become their servants. They had said, just don't hurt us. We'll do whatever you want. Verse 2, he said, he and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city, like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai. And all, all its men were good fighters. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lashish, and Deber, king of Eglon. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Then the five kings of the Amorites, I'm going to skip their names, they all joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites sent word to Joshua, the Israelites, in the camp at Gilgal, do not abandon your servants. In other words, protect us. Please come help us. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all of the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by, by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Haran and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda. As they fled before Israel on the road before, or down from Beth Haran to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. And more of them died from hail, from God's power, than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to the Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of of Israel. He said to the Lord, in the presence of Israel, he has a prayer in the presence of all of Israel, the entire nation. And here's what he says. Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Aijalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about half or about a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since. A day, listen to this, when the Lord listened to a human being. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. The Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. So they're in this fight. And, and it's kind of a situation where like they're winning and they don't want the fight to stop. And if it was nighttime, the fight would stop and they, they, they might not have a chance to fully win the victory. And so what they do is they say, uh, you know, we got we to gotta keep this day going. We, we have to keep the fight going so we can completely be victorious. And in order for that to happen, it was getting towards, uh, towards nighttime. And Joshua said, there's only one way. The sun just has to stop. And he prays this bold prayer in front of people out loud, and there were other t- two other things that I want, these are the last two notes. First of all, and these are the two ways you can pray bold prayers, pray big. So if you want to pray boldly, the first thing you want to do is pray big. Joshua prayed a big prayer. His prayer was huge, really, to stop a planet 
or a star, if you want, you want to call it a star, to stop a star from its rotation, to stop the moon from its axis, to completely stop those things, to stop the way God had created the world like that until they could be victorious. So he, was, he, he, he prayed big, and that's what we're called to do. We're called to pray big. And, and, and this kind of goes back to what we talked about a second ago, but you might have to look foolish in order to pray big. You might have to kind of say something that might make you look a little bit foolish. But again, we have to remember, we are not at stake. It's God that's at stake. It's God's name because he is the one that responds to prayer. And so we are called to pray big, to pray big. The second way we can pray um, boldly is to pray specifically. Pray specifically. Pray specifically. This is what this means. And this is, I would say, this is bigger, a bigger part of praying bold prayers than even praying big. Because here's what Joshua did. He had a specific prayer. He didn't say, oh, Lord, kind of, you know, help us win. Help, uh, figure something out, God. No, no, no. He, he said something very specific so that everyone heard it. Stop the sun. Stop the moon. Very specific. A lot of times, if we're honest about it, if you think about the things you pray about in a, in a given week, so many times they're just very vague. It, uh, if you don't know kind of what vague means, it's more like general. They're very, we speak in generalities to God. We're like, you know, kind of help this person and, um, you know, help me have a good day and, um, uh, you know, help me with this or help me with that. We're just very general. You know, bless this person, bless that person. And we don't really pray specifically. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with, with praying those prayers, but if we want to pray boldly and access that power of God, we've got to pray specifically. Because many times we don't even know if a prayer has been answered. If, you, if I think about my prayers during the week, if I say, help me have a good day, I mean, I don't really even know if that gets answered at the end of that day. And if I, if it, I do have a good day, I, it's so vague that when I get to the end of the day, I'll be like, I, I'll forget I even asked God to do it. Because it's not like it's a miracle. But imagine that you asked God to do something big. If he did it and you were specific about it, you would notice that God came through, right? Because you were specific. You asked God a specific thing, and when you see that thing, you'd be like, oh my gosh, God did it. He came through. If you, if you prayed that specific prayer, you'd realize that God came through. And the thing about when, when we're not specific, when we're really general, the thing that happens is it takes away a chance for God to show his glory. It takes away a chance for God to show his glory because what we're doing is we're kind of just, we're, we're not even getting, giving God a chance to shine. If we just pray, oh God, help me. Well, how's God's glory going to show? And we talked about the glory of God throughout the whole last series, about showing the glory of God through the Look Up series. And we take away God's chances to show his glory because we pray these very general prayers. So we want to pray big if we want to pray bold, and we want to pray specifically. We want to pray specifically so that we see God's work in action. We'll look at one more spot in Scripture. It's going to be in Matthew in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. And we're going to look at a situation where, where Jesus forced someone to be specific. It says uh, in, in verse 29, chapter 20, verse 29, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, 
which oddly enough, we just talked about last week, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside when they heard that Jesus was going by. And so they start shouting, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, Lord, come, come help us. Have mercy on us. The crowd rebukes them. So the crowd's like, oh, he doesn't want to do anything with you. You're not important. He's got somewhere to go. He doesn't care about you. But I just want you to know Jesus always has time for you. Anytime you want to pray, any time of the day, Jesus has time for you. And I wasn't going to say that, but someone needs to hear that. Jesus has time to hear from you. Jesus always is waiting to hear from us at any moment. He has time because he loves us. The crowd rebukes them and they told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, the blind men. They say, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Look at what Jesus does. Jesus stopped and he called them. What do you want me to do for you? What was Jesus doing? Jesus was forcing these men to be specific in their prayer, be specific in their request of God. Because everybody knew what they wanted. They wanted to be made to be able to see again. They've been blind their whole life. They're sitting there. Everybody knows they're beggars. Everybody knows. It was very obvious. It, it would actually be kind of a stupid question. They were probably like, Jesus, of course. Uh, we, we, know what they, we know what they want. We, they want to be healed, Jesus. Why are you asking that stupid question? I believe Jesus asked that question because he wanted them to voice what they wanted. And so he says, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. They received their sight. They didn't go their own way. They, they followed after Jesus. Jesus wants us to pray specifically. So to pray boldly, pray big and pray specifically. I'm going to tell you a quick story before, before we finish up. And I, I, this wasn't going to happen, but I, I went to something today and, um, and I just felt like I, I should put this in the, in the message. Um, this past week, we had a, a woman in our church um, named Miss Anita, Miss Anita Osborne, who, believe it or not, literally was part of this church when it started in 1935. She's been a part of this church for over 75 years. She was a little girl at that time. Before they even had a building, they used to meet in a bakery, in the set upstairs of a bakery. Um, and they called our church Rising Tide. That's why we call uh, the Portside Ministry Rising Tide. They called our church Rising Tide United Methodist. And, and they, they soon after, they built the chapel, and then they built uh, different buildings around, around campus, and now here we are today. But she's been about part of this church for all that time. And Miss Anita passed away this past week. She was uh, 87 years old. And, and the thing about Miss Anita is she was one of the great prayer warriors this church has ever seen. She prayed like crazy. And she prayed on our intercessory team. We're going to hear about that in a, in a few minutes on a video. But she prayed Monday mornings, every Monday, over thousands, hundreds of thousands of prayer requests of people that came in this church over the years. She prayed every Monday for hours. And she prayed in her own life as well. She prayed all the time, and she prayed boldly. About uh, 15, actually about 13, 14 years ago, she was obviously advanced in her age. She was already in her 70s, and she came down, not didn't come down, but she, 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 had, uh, she was told she had cancer. And she had a type of cancer that was stage four. It was, um, it was very advanced, and they told her, you have really one choice. We can do a special type of radiation treatment, and it's 50-50 whether you'll make it. You may or may not die, we're not really sure, but it's your only shot. And, and one day she was doing her quiet time, and, and this, is, this is kind of the, uh, a side thing, but this is why we do daily quiet times, because we get the chance to hear from God. One day she was doing her quiet time, right after she had heard this, she kind of saw a light come through, and she felt God prompt her to pray for healing. 
Not only just to pray for healing, but to be bold, pray big, and pray specifically. So she went to her doctors and she went to her family and she said, I think God's calling me to not get treatment. And her doctors yelled at her. They got mad at her. Think about this. A nice 72, 73-year-old woman comes in and a doctor just starts yelling at her. You're not going to live. You're going to die if you don't get this treatment. It's your only hope. Take the treatment. If you don't get it, you're going to be dead in three to six months. And she said, no, I believe God has called me to pray over this. And so she started praying the promises of God. She started praying boldly and specifically. Within months, she went in and the cancer was gone. And she would go on to live another 12 or 13 years until she died this week. And guess what she did in that time? She told God when she was praying, she said, not only am I going to pray boldly for this, but I'm going to be more bold than I've ever been before in my other 70 years of my life. If I get more time on earth, if you give me more time, I'm going to be bold. And I was talking to her son right after the funeral today, and he said that she changed after she was healed from cancer. She had always been kind of bold and been, been a strong Christian, but she changed. She became a warrior for Christ and led people to Christ and prayed bold prayers. But it started with that first bold prayer, a bold prayer that doctors told her she was stupid to pray. She did not take treatment, and God healed her. So as we close the band and come back up, I want to ask you one question. And this is, this is a question I heard years ago, and uh, it, it had a big impact on my prayer life. So I want you to write it down, if you can, and you can write down. You don't have to get it word for word. But here's the, here's the question. If you could have all your prayers from the past two weeks answered immediately, would the world be any different? Think about that. If you could have every prayer request that you ask God over the past two weeks to be answered, and he would do it right away, would our world look any different? Would eternity be any different? I think a lot of us, if we ask ourselves that question, we would see a situation where it's like, yeah, I mean, the world would be, it'd be okay. Like, I might have a car, and I might have a new girlfriend, and I might have a couple hundred dollars, or a new job, or an A on a couple of tests, but Probably just that, because that's all we kind of pray for. We just pray for some very general, very, um, very within our control things. But if you pray big, bold prayers, imagine, imagine what could happen. Imagine the things that could happen. If you, if you could look back, I, I believe there's some prayer warriors that pray such bold prayers that if all their answers, if that question got answered in their life, nations would be changed. Friends and family members would be saved. People would be healed. People would rise back from the dead. Politics would change. Schools would change. Cities would change. Revival would strike all over the world because they prayed bold prayers. And I, 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 want, you to, I want you to put that like in your Bible or your prayer journal or something. And I want, every time you pray, I want you to think about that question. If I had all the prayers that I'm about to ask answered, would the world be any different? And so what we're going to do is we're going to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to give a closing kind of invitation and then we're going to watch a video. We're actually not going to do the last song, but just kind of keep playing. Um, uh, so here's what we're going to do. I want you to give you a chance to pray a bold prayer. So everybody bow your head, close your eyes. We do this every week. So it's nothing new for those of you who come every week, but I want to give you guys a chance to boldly pray, to boldly pray. And that bold prayer is a prayer of salvation. Just like Jesus said, what do you want from me? He wants us to tell him what we want from him. 
And the reason he came to earth was to die for our sins. So if you would like to, to, to know Jesus as Savior, pray this bold prayer with me. And pray it with me, and then I'll just ask you during the prayer to just raise your hand. And some one of the student leaders will kind of um, grab you by the hand after the prayer and uh, take you to the back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you for a couple minutes. But just pray this prayer with me if you would like to give your life over to Christ, surrender to him, and allow him to change your life. Boldly ask him to forgive you of your sins and change your life. Let's pray. Lord, I'm yours. I want you to be my savior. I believe you're the son of God, that you died for me and rose again. Rescue me from my sin. I surrender my life to you. In your name, amen.